Amen. This week, my daughter Lucy and I were playing Legos, and about the first 10 minutes were fun, and I was having a good time. And then around the 15-minute mark, I started to get just kind of bored and antsy and wanting to get up and and go do something else. And she kept saying, Daddy, play with me. Daddy, talk, talk, talk. She like wants me to make the dinosaur dinosaurs talk. And so I just started to want to get up and go do something. And I realized that I was starting to get really uncomfortable, um, like forcing myself to sit there. Like I knew I had nothing better to do. Um, and I knew she really wanted me to be there, but I just started to feel my selfishness just rise up. And that selfishness is really just the disorder of sin. Like sin brings disorder into our hearts, into our minds, and it's selfishness. And so but I realized the more I felt that disorder, the more it freed her to just be a kid and to have fun. The The disorder that I felt brought her the order that frees her. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Jesus felt our disorders from sin mm-hmm. so he could free us and restore order to our lives. And so if you're looking for order in your life, this is the episode for you. Let's get into it. Aloha and welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Lokelani, your host, and I'm joined by my husband, Alex, who is preaching about order. We're continuing our series in Matthew, looking at chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. We're finishing up chapter 12 today. (laughs) And um, I'll read the verses as always, and then Alex will share his message, and then we'll finish with a question and answer time. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. Please subscribe to our email list by clicking the link in our description to get every episode ordered to your inbox. So you never lose your place in the order of our Matthew series. Okay. Talking about the need for order, the problem with order, and then the solution to order. Our kids are going through a stage of learning to ask for help. Um, Specifically our, our two youngest middle kids. Yeah. Our two and four year old. um, They find themselves in situations where something lacks order. They can't connect a Lego piece or they can't draw a perfect circle or something, you know, and they scream and we're trying to teach them to not scream just to ask for help. And they've gotten really good at it. Really proud of them. And what they're feeling in that moment is my older brothers don't seem to have the same problem that I have. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, they feel out of order and they feel like they're the only out of order person in the family. So it makes them want to scream. Likewise, it'd probably make you want to scream too. Whenever you snap or whenever you get super angry, you lose self-control. It's because that feeling of being out of order, that is what sin does to us. It does a lot more, but one of the things it does is it, it, takes away the order of life, the order that was uh, rightfully put in place in the Garden of Eden before sin came in. And so when we look at verse 46, Jesus is feeling some of that disorder within his family. Mm -hmm. Sin doesn't uh, 
play favorites. Sin will come for every single aspect of your life, even your closest relationships. While he was still speaking in the crowds with the crowds, his mother and brother were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Now, verse 47 in the ESV is skipped over because uh, Matthew pretty much just says the same thing again. He just adds that someone goes and tells Jesus that his mother and his brother were outside. So the ESV skips over that, goes right to 48. Now, before we get into 48, I want you to look at this because the mother and the brother, mother and brothers of Jesus were outside asking Jesus to come outside, ordering him to present himself to them outside so they could have a word with him instead of going inside, sitting underneath the order of his teaching, which by the way, in the beginning of verse 46, when he says, while he was still speaking, the way he spoke was very orderly, very simple, very straight to the point, very plain. And they ordered Jesus to come outside instead of them sitting under the order of his teaching. Don't you see? They're asking him to come outside so they could talk to him when they should have been inside listening to him. Disorder. Mm -hmm. Jesus knows what it feels like to be unseen and misunderstood by the people closest to him. Now, eventually they came around. Acts chapter one, verse 14, Mary and his brothers and sisters, they're there um, with the community of believers, Peter and, and all this stuff at Pentecost, all that. So eventually they believed that Jesus was the son of God, which is super cool. Um, talk about an effective ministry. If you, if the people closest to you, your family members can uh, believe in the God that you serve, then you, you're doing effective ministry. How tragic is it when we see um, pastors and their closest the closest members of their family, their kids, their wives, not attending church, not believing in the gospel. Um, that says something about the pastor's character. And so that's why we do life the way that we do it. We, we try to, to follow God in such a way that we say, okay, God, if we ever lose track of the family that you've given us, then we know that we're off track. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus didn't do that. He was able to still be responsible and love his family serve his family. He spent his first 30 years of his life doing that. He only did three years of ministry, 30 to, to age 33. And he's not saying, don't pay attention to your family. He's not saying disregard your family in this text, but he's showing us that Jesus felt how disorderly it feels to be human. He knows what it feels like to be seen as the only out of order one in the family. And let's get in, you know, so we know the need for order. Right? We know that uh, disorder is going to find itself in our closest relationships and the deepest, darkest recesses of our life. And we hate that feeling of be being disorderly. So the problem with order is actually ordering. Mm -hmm. We see them ordering Jesus to come outside. Why? Because in verse 48, he says to the guy who told him, your mother and brothers are outside, who is my mother and my brothers? Stretching out his hands to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. What does he mean by that? He's not calling his disciples girls or a woman. Mm -hmm. He's saying, spiritually speaking, they're my mother and my brothers. We're going to jump into that in a little bit. But what he's saying is these disciples, they are here because I've chosen them. They're here because of the spiritual relationship that I have with them. My physical um, mother and brothers outside, I have a relationship with them through blood. And it's just as important as this spiritual relationship. They're on the same level. That's what he's saying. The problem with them ordering 
Jesus to come outside is what they were saying is, Jesus, what you're doing and how you're speaking and who you're speaking it to, if you read all of chapter 12, he's saying this stuff that's really hard to hear. He's calling out uh, the spiritual leaders of the day, the Pharisees, and that would have definitely affected Jesus' life. Eventually, it got him killed, but it would have affected his family's life because they knew his family. Everyone knew each other's family. Back then, it was small. They, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary's son? And so how what Jesus was doing was affecting them. So they're like, okay, Jesus, come outside. We need to have a word with you. Because safe to say that it was affecting their jobs. It was affecting their finances. It was affecting their, uh, when they go to the market, their social activity, you know, it was affecting, you know, people were in their comment sections, you know, hey, aren't you Jesus's mom? How come she said, how come he said this about that? How come he called uh, my pastor a snake? This is what he was doing. And so they were like, we got to get, they, they were thinking because he's our family, he's going to listen to us because he's our family. We can request his presence. They were relying on what they had instead of who had them. They had their race as Jewish people. They had their connection to Jesus through blood. They were relying on that. They, they had their life, their, their jobs, their finances, all that. They had that and they were saying, we need to come talk to you because we need to get some things in order. Mm -hmm. But really the order that they were looking for was actually disorder mm -hmm. and out of order. Mm -hmm. And so instead of relying on what they had, they needed to start trusting in who had them, which was Jesus. He had them in the palm, palm of his hands and he had a plan for their life. They didn't see it. He was misunderstood. But the gospel empowers us to stop trusting in what we have and start trusting in who has us. Now, if you've heard the story of Rachel and her sons, she has to learn this lesson. They have to learn this lesson. In that story, Jacob marries Rachel. Then they want to get away from Rachel's dad because he's a trickster, just like Jacob. And so he left. And in the process, she starts to think, my life is a little disorderly. Um, my, my husband married me and my sister. My husband's taking me and my kids away from my dad, who I've, I've been around my dad my entire life. And now we're going to a place that I've never been to, a town that I've, I've never been to before. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. I need to restore some order in my life. And so I need to gather some stuff. What she takes is her dad's stuff. Her dad's stuff in the story uh, is household gods, probably made out of gold or something valuable. She takes these household gods, these false gods, these fake gods, and she keeps them. The dad comes and knocks on Jacob's tent and says, hey, how dare you steal from me? Back then to be accused of stealing was a big deal. So Jacob says, if anyone stole from you, they're dead. Not knowing that Rachel had stolen his household gods. So Laban, the dad, goes around looking in all the tents, checks Leah's tent, no gods. Checks the boy's tent, no gods. Checks Jacob's tent, no gods. Then goes to Rachel's tent. Rachel's sitting on the gods. She says, hey, don't make me stand up. I'm on my period. Laban says, okay, he leaves. Doesn't find the gods. The gods are never mentioned again. Why? I believe the, the author, Moses of Genesis, was trying to tell us that Rachel had learned a very important lesson that day. She almost lost her life because of these fake gods. Not only that, she realized that these gods that she was sitting on, look at the irony of that. 
these Gaza she is sitting on, we're not going to lift a finger to help her. Mm -hmm. In other words, they were not going to die to save her. Mm -hmm. She needed to find a God that would die to save her. Now, she had to learn that buying stuff will never give her what she truly needs or what she truly desires. You buying stuff was not going to be able to give her the security that she sought in stuff. Stealing stuff, taking stuff, having stuff, possessing stuff was not going to give her the security that she's really looking for. Jacob couldn't give her that. Laban couldn't give her that. These household gods could not give her that. No amount of gold could give you the security that you're really looking for. She had to learn that. Her sons had to learn a very similar thing as well. And that was that they end up destroying their brother's life, thinking that if he's gone, dad will love us too. Mm -hmm. Joseph was favored by his dad. His dad played favorites. He wasn't a perfect guy. And it broke the brother's hearts. So they thought, we're going to break Joseph so that our dad will love us more. It had the opposite effect. Jacob went into mourning after they threw Joseph into a pit and he got taken into slavery. The, the safety that they were looking for, they didn't get it by destroying someone's life. Uh, this is the essence of war. If we destroy someone else, we'll have more safety. It never works. Otherwise, one war would have been enough. That's what the brothers realized. And we do that when we put down others, when we yell at others, when we hurt others, when we take our anger out on others, what we're doing is we're looking for safety by destroying someone else's life. But the brothers would have to realize, and what Moses, the author of Genesis, is trying to tell us is the brothers were going to have to realize that there was a God that was destroyed to bring us the safety that we seek in status. They were thinking, if I had a better status with my father, then I'd have safety. If my dad loved me more, if my, this brother's out of the way and he's not distracting my dad from seeing me, then that status would give me the safety that I'm looking for. Moses couldn't, uh, Rachel couldn't find security in stuff. The brothers, her sons could not find safety in status. And so what do we need? We need a God who's going to feel the disorder that we feel to give us the order that frees us. Um, when I walk into a room, this is what my kids feel. They feel order. You know, when they're going crazy and they're not listening to their mom and I step into the room, order is restored because they know I hold that authority. So we see in verse 50, Jesus says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. He's, he's, he's looking at this guy that's telling him, hey, your, your, your family's outside. And he says, listen, there's trust, there's trusting in what they have instead of the fact that I have them in the palm of my hand. And he says, my, my true family are those who obey my father. To obey the father is to do the will of God. If you want to know what God wants you to do, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, God's will for your life is the same will that he has for all of his children. And that is to believe in Jesus and to trust Jesus with your life. Now, what does that mean? It means to use the gospel practically in your life and to ask yourself, okay, if this is what Jesus did for me, what does that look like practically in my life? What are the practical implications of that? And practically here, He's not saying that every disciple 
he sees them as a woman, as a mother. No, he's saying that all the disciples, all the children of God, they have the same kind of office as a mother or a sister or a brother in a family. Meaning the mother, her office in the family, according to God's order of the family, which is, you know, very important. She holds the authority of the father. She co-parents with the father while at the same time is submissive to to the father as the head of the house. When this gets messed up, all chaos, all chaos breaks loose. When the dad is like Homer Simpson, fat, drinking beer, watching TV, and Marge has to do everything, there's disorder in the house. When the dad is quiet and passive and doesn't discipline, there's disorder in the house. All hell breaks loose. But when the dad is overbearing and abusive to the wife and treats her like a child, all hell breaks loose. But when the dad is authoritative and loving and gentle, a picture of God the father and uh, empowers the mother in her role and the mother loves the father and submits to him and exercises that authority, the kids have a safe place to grow. They have a safe place for dependence. So why does he say those who do the will of my father are like my brother and sister? Because those kids who are in that family, all they have to do is depend on the parents. Mm -hmm. Obedience is dependence. Do this. Okay, dad. Okay, mom, I'll do it because I trust you. I depend on you. My kids go to sleep at night, not thinking about what they're going to have for breakfast. Unless it's Friday and they know Saturday is cereal Saturday and they're going to wake up having, they know they're going to have cereal in the morning. Every Saturday we do that. We had it. We used to have every day of the week lined up with some kind of like alliteration meal that went with it. The only one that stuck was cereal Saturday and they don't even start, doesn't even start with an S, um, but it just rhymes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's cool that kids just depend on their parents. That's it. They don't think about anything else. And that's how God wants us to be. Just trust me, just depend on me. That's what it means to trust in Jesus. Can you depend on God more than you depend on your money? Can you make decisions based on your love for Jesus mm -hmm. and what's going to give him glory instead of I'm going to make more money this way? Because you won't be free. You won't experience what it means to have that order. That order comes from depending on God. That order comes from exercising your authority. It means when you go somewhere and you talk to someone and you're wearing a Christian shirt and they're like, oh, I like your shirt. You take that opportunity to be the mother yeah. of Jesus. What does that mean? That means you exercise your authority because you co-parent, right? While at the same time, you're submissive to the father. That means you don't just act like a kid in that moment. Oh, thank you. And run away. You act like a mother. What does a mother do? Well, thank you very much. You know, I got it from this place. And you know what this actually means? It's actually a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. And you take it, you know, you know, since you since you like my shirt, you know, and this verse is about God, how can I pray for you? You act like a mom. You take the time to nurture that person. It doesn't mean you're actually Jesus's mom. It's, we're talking about a spiritual behavior, a spiritual office. You You have the authority of God, so walk in it. That's what he's saying. And then there's times where you have to depend. 
Don't you see? You're going you're gonna to find yourself in all these offices, mother, brother, and sister of Jesus, while you do the will of God, which is to trust Jesus. The order of a Christian looks like exercising the authority given to us by the Father while experiencing the freedom independence on the Father. Mm -hmm. So what is the solution to this? We know what we need to do. We see the problem with it. So the solution to actually do this is love. You know, it's almost always love. Restoring order through love. When I'm playing with my daughter, I'm giving her order in her life by, by feeling that disorder of selfishness in my own heart and pushing through it so she can feel the order of how life needs to be. Mm -hmm. So she can be freed by that. Mm -hmm. What is that? That's an act of love. Playing with your kid is an act of love. Laying down your life, enjoying the, the company of the lowly is an act of love. Putting aside what you want in that moment, what, your, what would feel good for your flesh so that you can serve someone else. That is love. Is that not what Jesus did for us? He's up there on the cross feeling the disorder, wanting to get down, not out of selfishness, out of, he didn't deserve it. Separation from the father, he's being crushed. He's crying out. And what's, what's getting him through this? Him thinking about restoring order to his children's life, restoring order to his brother's, his sister's life, restoring order to the family of God, his love for you and how bad he wanted you to be a part of God's family is what's getting him through that. He wanted you, he wanted to see the smile on your face when you get to experience the order of how life was supposed to be. What got Jesus through it? It was knowing that he was restoring, restoring that order in our life. So the question I have for you, is this, it's, it's where is God restoring order in your life? Because if we look at not, uh, 19, chapter 26 through 27 of John, it says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And they said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. Jesus knew he was going to die. He was going to resurrect. He was going to ascend into heaven. And he also knew that when he was gone, Mary was still going to be here. And John, one of his best friends, one of the disciples, was still going to be here. He knew practically, physically, what Mary needed, what John needed. John, Jesus knew that following Jesus was going to bring some kind of earthly disorder in John's life. You know, he was going to eventually be ostracized and, and excommunicated to an island, Patmos, where he got the revelation. So there was going to be some earthly disorder in his life as he followed the heavenly order. So he knew John's going to need a good mom. And my mom is the best of the moms. And so man, behold your mother. He also knew Mary was going to need a son like John that was going to take care of him because she was going to lose, you know, at, at least two sons. You know, John was, I mean, James was killed. Jesus was killed. And he resurrected and then he ascended. He knew Mary was going to, you know, have this space in her life where she's going to want a good son to look out for her and to take care of her. What that means is this. It means while Jesus is on the cross, he's thinking about our physical needs. He's also thinking about our spiritual needs, specifically the spiritual need for family. He was, he was up one of these, this is one of the seven last things he said on, on the cross. And he used his final breaths to restore physical family and spiritual family. 
at the same time between John and Mary. Heavy, right? That's proof that when he's on the cross, he's thinking about the spirit, our spiritual needs and our physical needs for family. That's what's getting him through this. If he's using his last breaths to talk about this, he means on the cross, he's thinking about you having the family that you need, the family that you desire. So where is God restoring order in your life? Father God, thank you so much for the gospel, how it it touches every area of our life and restores order to us. We pray that we practically would be able to live it out and, and just simply trust you and obey you. And to do what gives you glory, what helps us grow in love for you, what helps us grow in dependence on you, and not what always feels good or it feels safe or what benefits us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a part of the episode called After the Amen, where we ask you a question to help you apply this message to your life. And our question today is, where is God restoring order in your life? Where is God restoring order in your life? And I'll go first, as always. Um, I think for me personally, it's friendships. I, as a mother of five, I think that over the years I have begun to not really make friendships a priority. And I do have friends. I do talk to them. Um, but I think I could be more intentional and be investing in them more. And the way that God has started to restore this actually is through house church that we host at our house every Sunday night. And, um, it's just reminding me the beauty of community, the beauty of the family of God. And so I think, you know, I kind of got off track with this when we moved back to, to Hawaii, we were, we, um, left California. And so we were taking out of that community and came here about three to four months later, COVID hit and, um, you know, we were pretty much forced not to see our friends. <laughs> and then we had a miscarriage the same, no, a couple months after COVID started, um, had our rainbow baby, got pregnant with our rainbow baby, Lucy. And then life just got very busy as a mother, as it should be. That is definitely priority, of course, in the life of a mom or a dad, their family is priority. Um, but that I started to put like friendships on the back burner and I was just, I've been horrible with communication, have taken way too long to respond at times. And it's not that I stopped loving my friends or even thinking that I need them, but like, I just stopped like investing in them and saying, this is valuable. Yes. It's going to look a lot different from 21 year old Lokelani who was unmarried with kids. It's going to look different even from when I had one or two children. Um, but how can I still prioritize this? Because within friendship, within the family of God, you know, outside of our biological family, um, we are going to learn things that we otherwise wouldn't learn. We're going to sharpen ourselves and others in ways that we wouldn't be able to, because everyone's life is different. You know, um, yes, we, the scriptures that we read and we believe in the God that we serve is the same. Um, but sometimes he's teaching us in different ways and at different rates. And that's why we really need each other. Um, and so I just, I love this message because it encourages me to just love on my friends more, to prioritize them, to see what that looks like. Um, but I am also just so grateful for house church that we've found a way that also works for our family 
to um, have our friends here and to deepen those relationships and then see them outside of it when we can. Um, but yeah, I just, I really love this passage. It just really shows um, just the importance in the life of the believer to, to really view, you know, our kingdom family as family, um, that there is priority there. And um, yeah, so like I said, it looks different for me because I'm not a single man like Jesus or Paul. So my family comes first. They are the priority first. And that's something I actually struggled with the first like five-ish years of being um, a mom was like, I need to be doing so much outside of the home, but like my family is a priority so that I can teach them and raise them in the ways of the Lord so that they can in turn reach other people. Um, and so there's just, balance. yeah, balance and just so much grace and joy that comes with um, living life this way with seeing your biological family is very important as well as the kingdom family as um just as important just as important as well very well said the balance is so important and the word of god gives us the power and the wisdom to do that so amen we love you amenpodcast.com slash donate to keep us going thank you we'll see you in the next one until then go out and be the church amen